Pokemon Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan K. Every, uh, I was gonna say week, not every week, but every episode here, we look at a different aspect of the Pokemon universe. We are not officially affiliated with Pokemon or Nintendo or Game Freak or any of that. We are, this is a fan production. We make no money off it. It's, it's just for funsies and information. It's a legitimate media outlet. I swear it is. I swear it is. Get off my case, Mom. It's, it's, I'm doing something with my life. Uh, Silf Radio is not for kids. It's for grown-ups with either the heart or the mind of a child. And uh, there's bad words. There's no holds barred on the conversation. So, yeah. Uh, if, if you're a kid, don't listen to it without like parental guidance. We said that, so... You can't get mad at us. Every episode, we have a different guest host sitting on the opposite side of the table from me to help me explore the topic of the day. Today, we're welcoming back a repeat guest, good friend of mine, Mr. Jeremy Davis. Jeremy, welcome. How's it going? It's going very well. Glad to be here. Great to have you back. You've, you helped create one of our best episodes so far in the relatively small self-radio library, but... We discussed Lavender Town last time. We know that you're a big aficionado of ghosts in the spiritual realm. We know there's another thing you really like, and that's mushrooms. Yes, yes I do. I am officially a mycophile, so... And that's not the first instinct a lot of people think when they hear that is like, oh, he's, he's some hippie dude, he eats a lot of magic mushrooms. We're not talking magic mushrooms. We're talking mycology in its entirety. Um, fungus, everything fungus. Wearing a fungus around my neck right now as we speak. Fungus fascinates you. And yes, you've adorned yourself in the fashion of fungus. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, you preserve mushrooms, um, make jewelry out of them, uh, accoutrements to hats and stuff like that. And today we're going to be looking at a mushroom Pokemon. Uh, we're going to look at Pokemon number 285 and 286, Shroomish and Breloom. Um, I guess this is just in time for the big Ruby Sapphire remakes. Probably both of our favorite Pokemon from that generation. Is that safe to say? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Cool. That's awesome, then. So we'll get to that, but uh, it's been a while since you've, since you've been here. Let's talk. Let's talk Pokemon. It's, a, it's been a while since I've talked Pokemon in general. We, we haven't been doing shows as often as I'd like to. So uh, I don't know how... I don't know if we've ever really talked about this, man, but what was your introduction to Pokemon? How did you find Pokemon? How did you become aware of the good news? I actually came into it way late in the whole Pokemon craze. I was introduced to Red and Blue, but only after Gold and Silver were already out. So I was in high school, and a kid who was bullying me had actually brought in an old-school Game Boy. Big, thick brick of a Game Boy, not even a Game Boy Color or Game Boy Pocket. Yep, big, thick brick. I used to get made fun of in school for carrying... This is middle school when uh, it was new because all my friends would go out and get the Game Boy Color or the Game Boy Pocket, and I have this big, fat fucking Game Boy that I'd carry (laughs) around with me, barely fit in my pocket. Well, that's exactly what he was toting around, and no one gave him shit for it. (laughs) so yeah he had blue and he actually showed it off to me he's usually the guy who was like trying to intimidate me all through school and we talked shop we found out we check this out he's like you know who would like this yeah you know who would like this four eyes (laughs) (laughs) whatever his nickname was for it (laughs) he didn't even have a nickname for me 
He was one of those aloof bullies. <laughs> the ones who are too good to f- even remember a nickname they give for you. You so, like this, that little shitwad over there. <laughs> Dude, look, look. But he's totally sincere about it. Check it out. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah, you bastard. He Come can here. change into any Pokemon. <laughs> Fascinating. But yes, I'm. he was playing it, and we ended up talking shop, and he introduced me to all the different kinds of uh, Pokemon that he had caught, and I thought it was actually really cool. So I ended up finding finding a copy of Red, and... Totally broken. I turned it on, black screen, made terrible noise. So I ended up taking Is this the it. beginning of a creepypasta? Oh, no, 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 no. Blood no. started Maybe. dripping down the screen. Maybe I had gotten that red S- game. Sonic doll appeared on my couch. Maybe that With blood was the game after I had already had it gone through an exorcist. So now it was just dead. But it was pretty much just ruined. So I took it. Somebody shouldn't have went and fucked around and got missing. No, that's all I got to say. (laughs) But I managed to get my refunded copy. And instead of red, I was able to get blue. And that was my first introduction to it. Bulbasaur was my starter. Love that guy. I love everything about Bulbasaur. I can't pick a favorite out of the original three starters. Pretty much every other group of starters, I can pick a favorite. The other, those three, I love all three of them. Um, it's funny, though. I had a very similar experience to yours. I was already familiar with Pokemon. But this is when I was in middle school, and I was playing the game in my Game Boy under my desk. So the teacher couldn't see. And the kid, either next to me or behind me, I think he was next to me, uh, this, this big tough guy, you know, he'd given me shit before. Not, he wasn't like particularly uh, like a bad bully, but he was definitely somebody that had given me shit. And he, he starts looking over and he's like, Oh, what is it? Are you playing Pokemon? And I was like, yeah. He's like, dude, did you see the one that, uh, the one that aired this morning where there was the Pokemon that could change into any other Pokemon? And I was like, no, I didn't watch it this morning. But yeah, that's Ditto. I've got a Ditto on my team. And he's like, no, you don't. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I do. Check it out. Pulled it up. And he's like, what? Say word. I always love how that kind of stuff can bring even the weirdest people who you wouldn't think can team up together. Right. Pop culture, man. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea that the bully would introduce me to... What is now one of my favorite little portable games. Favorite things in general. And before that, we had nothing in common. I had no idea how to relate to this guy, so I had no idea how to get him off my back. Turns out, after that common ground, all good. And this would be the point in the game where an NPC says something sentimental and lazily written about how Pokemon and people bring people together. The more you know about Pokemon. (laughs) As funny as it sounds and as cheesy and and whatnot, there really is this uncanny ability for Pokemon to bring people together. I made friends that I never would have made because of Pokemon. I met people that I otherwise would never have met if it were not for Pokemon. I have as well. Pokemon seems to have its own strange gamer gravitational pull, which for me goes to a whole weird area of theories and thoughts I have that maybe thought has its own physical effect on the universe. But that's one of my weird theories. So we'll not move on to that. (laughs) I have this really amazing experience the journey of how Jeremy managed to get his shiny shaman. Shaman? The legendary? Yes. And this is legit? It is a legit one. Captured in the red event ball for when they were passing her out. Okay. Yep. So I never got the chance to get that thing on my own, but shaman by far is one of my favorite legendaries. So I love ghost types. But I also love grass types, equally so. And I'm also an idiot for cute things. I will completely admit that. Puppies, kittens, large-eyed monkeys. Drawing one of those right now. Large-eyed monkey. 
And Shaman is one of, if not the tiniest legendary they have. Can fit in a human pocket. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So it's this... In all, ti- in all of its forms, or...? Uh, I believe in its base form. I okay. Think, I think in its sky form, it turns into kind of like a, like a terrier with grassy ear wings. Yeah, and it's bigger. Yeah. Okay. But in its base form, it can fit in like your little breast coat pocket. It's a tiny little hedgehog. I had no idea it was that tiny. I've seen it. I know what it looks like. I just didn't realize. Oh, yeah. Wow. So... It's like a little sugar glider. Yeah. So I totally have always wanted one, and I never managed to get one. And I have a uh, very good friend who went onto an online blog forum... And now I have Pokemon uh, X. No, I have Pokemon Y. And they managed to find someone who had backstored their event Shaman. And because they had had fun with it, they were willing to just give it to her so that she could give it to me. So I don't know about anyone else's experiences when it comes to like traditional online trading without that kind of thing. But people try to trade you like mega super evolutions and they try to give you a Magikarp for it. And this I just got. And that was like Christmas. There's an awesomeness about being able to trade with anybody all over the world. But there's also a like shadiness because you don't know if you're getting a fucking pet cemetery game sharked motherfucker. Oh, no. Honest. It's legit. It was in the red event ball. It but, said met in a fateful encounter, made all of the stuff. Don't ruin my fantasies, man. Have you got uh, Ruby or Sapphire yet? I have not. Either have I. I, I just they don't offered have the money the, or time right now. Yeah, they offered the demo. I didn't want that. Right. Who wants to play a demo of a Pokemon game? Ah, there's apparently a benefit to doing it. Uh, the Pokemon that you choose and the first one you capture or something can actually be transferred legit over into the game. Oh, okay. That's cool. So there was a reason to do it. Otherwise, it's just this fucking Donnie Darko tangent universe where you choose a Pokemon and forge an alliance and bond with it, and then suddenly, nope, gone. Erased from existence. Start over. Yeah, and that's just disturbing. So I didn't want to do that. So let's let's do it. The, The reason we're all here is to talk about a mushroom Pokemon, Shroomish and Breloom. Um, two, like I said, Breloom's one of my favorites. He was, when Hoenn came out, one of the only Pokemon from that generation that I really liked at all. Very when same. Ruby and Sapphire came out. Yeah, and I guess we share that in common. I love this Pokemon. I think he's fucking cool. Absolutely. And an interesting type combination. Like, I don't know. Why don't you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about... Wasn't he, I think, one of the first grass in fighting at the time? The first, I believe. There you go. So, I have always had a fascination with fungus, as we previously stated. And when I saw that they finally had a Pokemon, that wasn't just like mushrooms grafted onto a bug. When it was an actual mushroom Pokemon, I was thrilled. I was like, this is going to be like my Pikachu. It's going to be standing on my shoulder. And it was really cool looking, too. It was one of those Pokemons that had a design that was both cute and badass. It yes. Was, which is a tough balance to get because even like young boys won't admit it, but they like cute characters, too. Yep. Just as much as the young girls like Pikachu, l- young boys do, too. And like, if you can make it look like a badass dinosaur and it looks cute and it looks like a mushroom or something... Totally, totally. Absolutely. So I loved the lore about them. I loved that uh, Shroomish was able to hide in underbrush and ate leaf litter. Like, they talked about those kinds of things. I read the Pokedex entries. Oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into all of that. We're going to really explain the minutiae that means nothing. This isn't a strategy-like podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about like maybe what we do with them and our teams, but we're not here to like tell you how to beat the game. We're here to tell aspiring Pokemon trainers all about this majestic creature, this beautiful thing that is neither plant animal or plant animal. And, yeah... The Hypothecanta. It's like National Geographic for Pokemon <laughs> trainers. And National Geographic for Pokemon trainers. And people 
who are drinking. <laughs> like not me. <laughs> so, shroomish, known in Japanese as kinokoko, which kind of means mushroom child. Awesome. Which is what I would name my daughter if I was on acid and <laughs> a hippie and lived in a van. I would just name my kid that. I don't need the van or the acid. Uh, type, obviously, grass type. Surprisingly, this is one of the few just straight grass types. There's not a lot of them. Yes, I noticed that for a while. I think they're kind of changing that. There's more mm-hmm. of them that are just grass now. Mm-hmm. But for a while, they always seem to, tame, to team them up and type them up with some other type. Poison very often. And yeah, usually something else. I want more grass and water types. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm not, I don't care who I hurt. I don't care who I offend. I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking my feelings right here and now. And I kind of want more grass and water types. That'd be cool. What he said. I'm being honest. This is, this is straight. <laughs> pulling no punches. <laughs> um, yeah, grass and water. That would be cool. Who do they got? They got Ludicolo. Um, maybe one that's not racist. Um, who else is there? Try to find one. I kid you not. I think Ludicolo is the only water and grass type. There are now other grass types that can learn surf. I think Gogoat can actually learn surf. But for the longest time, all these grass types I'd have in my team, I could not surf places. Yeah, I just looked it up. That's the only one. Yeah. So... (laughs) That's a shame. That's a shame. The only grass and water type is offensive Mexican stereotype. See, I was hoping for something really awesome, like an algae Pokemon or a seaweed Pokemon, or even if it's totally incorrect, something like a coral Pokemon. Oh, wait, they have a coral Pokemon. Yeah, and that's rock and water, right? Yeah. I like that. I like that it's rock and water. No, it's good. It's just, there are so many options for under the yeah. sea, over the sea, on sea, in water, lakes, streams, plants. Totally. I'm surprised there's nothing that's like algae or seaweed. Dropping the ball here. <laughs> the pokeball. So, shroomish, back to shroomish. Uh, height, about one foot, four inches, or I guess 0.4 meters uh, weight, 9.9 pounds, or 4.5 kilograms. Um, it's this small little pudgy mushroom ball with two little stubby feet, no arms, uh, kind of like a, a teal or green lower body, and then its upper half, which is kind of like a cap of a mushroom, sort of, um, has like this ornery little face, and it's like khaki-colored, spotted with different splotches of that teal green color or if it's a shiny replace the like teal green with like an orange red i love its little grumpy face Mm. yeah he looks he looks looks like he's pretty grumpy he looks like (laughs) you probably stepped on him underneath a bunch of leaf litter (laughs) yeah and he's not happy about it yeah that's the noise he makes i doubt that i can neither confirm nor deny that It's kind of got this, like, tuft with a hole at the top of its head, which, when it feels threatened, because having no arms or, you know, much of a way to defend itself, it probably often does, it shoots spores out of the top of its head, and these spores are so dangerous. Like, they can even make trees and weeds wilt. Like, they're even dangerous. A lot of, like, grass types' powers don't generally work as well like they they do work on other grass types but you know what i mean like this is emphasizing that even like surrounding plants and that was what made me also love shroomish so much because it is not a plant even though it has to be typed into the plant type which i understand mm -hmm. they show a clear difference in their understanding and knowledge of fungus with shroomish so it begins the process of rotification on its surroundings. And I love that. Yeah, and they live in dark, damp forests. They prefer dark and damp places. And they eat composted soil. So they prefer forest soil because there's a lot of, like, fallen leaves that get decomposed into the soil. There's a lot of, like, you know, animal hubris and 
whatnot and everything. Like the forest soil is perfect for them. And during the day, they don't like to move around a lot and they like to kind of hide in the shade of big trees. They make their homes, as you said, under piles of fallen leaves or even rotting leaves. Yep. They're quite clearly modeled after an earth star, which I love. It's a species of puffball mushroom. An earth star? Is this your other hippie daughter, Jeremy? No, mushroom no. child and earth star? <laughs> no, although... You could call an earth star a mushroom child. It is a species of puffball mushroom that has a hard outer husk that splits out into many little petals and then has a large puffball at its center with a top opening little uh, nodule. No way. Okay. So yeah, that's definitely sounds like what this Pokemon's based on. It has kind of like a petal thing, you know, along the bottom of its cap. I guess they're most active after a long rain, so if you want to go looking for them in these forests, a lot of times they don't move around a lot. They do more at night than daytime, but you can go after it's rained for a long time, and you'll find a whole bunch of them just moving around, eating wet leaves and shit. Being mushrooms. So yeah, there's there's uh, a lot of places you can find them, mainly, like we said, forests. You can find them in Petalburg Woods in Hoenn. They're pretty common there. You can also find them in the Great Marsh, which is pretty much Sinnoh's uh, safari zone, if you don't remember that. Also, you can find their evolved form, Breloom, there too. They're even in Viridian Forest and in the safari zone in Kanto. Uh, in Gold and Silver, when you go there, they are. That well, is cool. in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, I'm sorry. That is very cool. Yeah, I think you can. You have to headbutt them out of trees, though. So. <laughs> and they do swarm Route 11 in Unova. I think... Swarming, to me, kind of makes me feel like the Pokemon like migrate there sometimes. Right. It does make sense because they have been thought to go in clusters, right? Yeah. So, And they're not normally there. Yeah. And Earth Stars, they grow in clusters. So you don't just see one. You'd see them kind of like in a, like I said, a burst cluster. So if you're thinking of Shroomish being like walking mushrooms... You'd imagine they'd be more pack mentality rather than isolationist. And yeah, they've been depicted, I believe, in the anime a few times as... Yeah, moving in little hordes. Like, yeah, hordes of shroomish. I think I remember one episode of the anime where where they featured Mei and her little brother. And uh, the little brother made friends with a shroomish. Pokemon and people together. Yeah. Making the world a better place. Gave it a little headband or something, and they were they were making trouble as a horde. So there is also an abandoned mansion somewhere outside of Rustboro City that is inhabited by Shroomish, which lost their habitat when like an adjacent forest was destroyed, logged or something, and so they took up residence in this big abandoned mansion. They just have to pull your heartstrings about global green awareness. They're often found holding. Kebia berries, which uh, has the effectiveness of a super effective poison move, which is interesting that they seem to carry them around with them. Do you think they have a problem with people using poison moves on them? I guess they do live in a, the area they, that, like the forest they live in are pretty populated by poison yeah. Pokemon that might be predators. Who do you think their predators are? Like Definitely insects, so poison is a real possibility. Most of the, uh, the life forms that feed on mushrooms are, in fact, insects. Okay. So, yeah, like, a bird wouldn't, No, right? No, a bird would not usually feed on mushrooms. In nature, you'll get mammals, and you'll get insects who most favor mushrooms. Like, I can imagine in the real world, if a mushroom developed that moved around and scurried around on two little feet, a bird would probably swoop down and eat that motherfucker. But... You'd be surprised. The bright colorings might actually deter it. Yeah. Because they would see it as toxic as a, or poisonous. As a toxic insect or something like that. Yep. Okay. I was going to say either, either way in Pokemon where the fauna would be used to mushrooms that move around. Right. A bird would already know not to eat it. Exactly. So it can have two different abilities, Effect Spore or Poison Heal. Um, effect Spore, basically... When an opponent makes physical contact with Shroomish, attacks it with a move that makes physical contact, uh, there's a 30% chance that it will be induced with either sleep, paralysis, or poison. Which I think is cheap, dirty, and awesome. Yeah, this is actually the only ability 
that causes sleep, believe it or not. Really? Right? I had no idea. Like, yeah. Cool. And um, all the Pokemon that can use this ability are mushroom Pokemon. That's their species name. I love that. I deeply and intensely love that. And for me, it makes sense that they would have that. Since puffballs, the way they work is that when you impact them, they eject their spores. So they are designed actually to be struck or to be stepped on or to be in some way jostled so that their spores are deposited and spread out. So impacting and then infecting. Wow. (laughs) Mushrooms, they like it when you beat them. Then there's Poison Heal. Um, Basically, if the Pokemon's poisoned, it gains life instead of losing life. You gain one-eighth of your max HP. So it eats the filth. That is great. (laughs) Um, No, that actually actually also falls deeply in line with, uh, with mycelium and mushrooms. You see, mushrooms can pretty much absorb any kind of base carbon organic material. So one of the things they found out is that um, mushrooms, most base mushrooms, even something we're used to seeing in the grocery store, oyster mushrooms, can absorb things as toxic as crude oil and still be Jesus edible. Wow. They convert it, into, they convert it into fungus sugars and grow. Wow. Like, yeah, this whole time I'm like, I know everything that you're saying, but I'm not going to cut you off for the benefit of the listener, you know, yeah, tell that shit. And then what? Crude oil? And then they're still edible? That fucking blew my mind. Paul Stamets showed it. And yeah, the only other Pokemon that has this ability is uh, Gliscor, which is like that flying lobster, dark, weird looking motherfucker bat thing. It kind of reminds me of some sort of weird ass attempt to do the, uh, the astrological sign of Scorpio inside a Pokemon. Okay. I think that's the first and only ever attempt that they made to do that. Uh, But Shroomish does have a hidden ability, Quick Feet, which increases Shroomish's speed stat by 50% when they're inflicted with a status condition. Um, Also, Paralysis normally drops your speed. It doesn't drop your speed. And I guess outside of battle, um, if the Pokemon leading your party has Quick Feet, it decreases the likelihood of wild Pokemon encounters. Wow. I did not know that at all. Right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's an interesting, like, outside of a battle so, appar- so apparently Shroomish can haul ass if they choose to. I guess so. Awesome. Those little ass pudgy little feet. I'm kind of hearing that, that Hollywood kind of walking noise. Then at level 23, Shroomish evolves to Breloom. Pokemon National Pokedex number 286. Uh, in Japanese, known as Kinogasa. I like that. Uh, much like the English name, it's a combination of the Japanese words for uh, umbrella and mushroom. Well, I guess that's not like the English name. The English name is not a combination of the Japanese words for mushroom and umbrella, but the English words for mushroom and umbrella. I'm just going to let you figure out the end of that sentence. I think, it was, I think with the context clues, you can get it. <laughs> so, yes, the umbrella Pokemon. Don't know why it's called that. I guess sort of it resembles it's, an umbrella. No, it's still a mushroom Pokemon is its species name. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it's got a little bit of uh, umbrella element in its naming. Oh, yeah. Because of mushroom cap. Oh, yeah. Uh, like we said, type, grass, and fighting. That's fucking cool. Uh, this guy's 3 foot 11 inches tall, or 1.2 meters, eh? Uh, also, 86 feet. Point four pounds or thirty nine point two kilograms, eh? Yeah, we've gone that's, Canadian up in this bitch. That's for the benefit of our listeners north of the border or pretty much anywhere other than America. Huh. Everyone that's not in Canada that's not in America is like, really, really, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's for the the Canadians. Actually, I was looking at our stats and it's weird. Like we had like ten listeners in Hong Kong in December. We're recording this very early December, so. It, there wasn't a lot like it, it, it was in the first couple days of December when I looked at this. And yeah, there was 10 listeners in Hong Kong and two in Canada. And I'm like, really? That's interesting. <laughs> two dudes probably in the same apartment. Just like <laughs> I figured we'd have more Canadian fans. Yeah, apparently not. Canadians must hate podcasts. I'm a big fan of I guess that's I just made that up on the spot. I'm a fan of Canada. 
that that works. That's going to be on a t-shirt. Well, don't get me wrong, Hong, Hong Kong's works. cool. I just I'm just kind of surprised. No, no, fuck Hong Kong. You already outed yourself. You hate them. <laughs> uh so yeah, this guy like we said he's kind of dinosaur like. His head reminds me a little bit of a pachycephalosaur with the the, with the, the dome butt head. heads. Yeah. He's got like the body type of like them or a raptor. Also a kangaroo and a long tail. Um tiny little pair of arms. Both on his arms and feet, they have big, big red claws. And his tiny arms can actually stretch and extend. A great distance, actually. Yeah, its its main fighting um, technique is punching. Like a pro boxer. Yeah, you might think it kicks. No, it uses those legs to nimbly hop around. The Pokedex describes it as... It's it's very light and springy on its feet. It's uh, really agile. It can like move in real close and and away real fast, and then just pummel you with punches. Supposedly, its technique is said to be at least on par with a professional boxer, and and certain brelooms even more powerful, exceeding like its technique is exceeding that of a professional boxer. Uh, they also use their tail to strike as well. And at the end of their tail, there's like this kind of like cluster, like a ankylosaur almost. There's that to right. a dinosaur too. But from what I understood, those are incredibly tough seed pods. Well, this is, this is what the Pokedex says. The seeds ringing Breloom's tail are made of hardened toxic spores. It is horrible to eat the seeds. Just taking a bite of this Pokemon seed will cause your stomach to rumble. Yeah. Thanks, Pokedex, because I was totally considering just grabbing my Pokemon and taking a bite of the cluster at the end of his tail right now. Hey. My... <laughs> it's already been established that Slowpoke tail is an accepted diet now. So... Right? This isn't even true. They just heard about... The Brelooms heard about the whole thing with the Slowpoke, and they were like, yo, we should just tell people our tails are poison. They'll believe it. We're mushrooms. We're not poison type, but so what? Fuck you, it. You do like poison moves? They'll believe it. Poison heal. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Just tell him it's poison. Don't take a bite of my tail. Ooh. You'll it'll make your tummy rumble, I tell you. Yeah. You'll need like a stomach pump and and like a couple tums. <laughs> so, as you can see, he's on the tums side of the fence and I'm on the Pepto side. But seriously though, what does it mean seeds? Seeds at the end of its tail? Yeah, that's those mace Balls at the very tip of yeah, its tail. Yeah, but first of all, mushrooms spore. Like it says that the seeds are made from condensed and hardened, like toxic spores. Well, how are they seeds? Ah, uh, I actually know this one quite well. There is a common misconception that mushrooms are just absolutely related to plants in the first place, or that they're the same thing, and they're not. Yeah, I know. But as you said, they they're kind of displaying with a lot of other things that they have an understanding of fungus and how mycology works. And yet, it's still Asia, and they still classify them scientifically in the same house. So in common language, because I'm sure that the people who did the research are still not mycologists themselves. Mm -hmm. So in their common programming and in their languaging, they probably still associated them as seeds. So that comes from a common stigma and a common misconception that they're from the same forming and grouping of life. It's just, it's still don't really, it's still not kosher yeah, with how, me. How but. dumb don't they know they're from the same forming and grouping of life as Bidoof as beavers as beavers they're the same group as beavers. No, no, they're not. Nothing is the same grouping well, as Pokemon. Bidoof. Pokemon is a single like species. Yeah, no. No, Bidoof is not a Pokemon. Single, at least a single. It's I don't, an abomination. I think calling it a species is a misnomer, but it's very clearly a, a single classification of life. I think in the sense that like, there's the animal kingdom, there's the plant kingdom, and there's fungus, there's minerals, there's Pokemon. Minerals are a form of life. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> hey... Depends on how you define life, sir. That's true. I tend to see our planet... Live a lot longer than you. Yeah. I see our planet as a living thing. And I don't mean the shit growing on it. I mean, like, the thing with the iron core and magma. I'm pretty sure it's alive, and it's really pissed at us. You know, the rock part. 
the grass and trees, I'm sure, are absolutely The rock part of, of the earth is pissed at us. Yeah. Because I'm pretty it's sure like, the grass and like trees. like the rock, like the wrestler guy, the Hollywood guy. He's all pissed at us. I don't like that. I don't want him to be pissed at me. Yeah, that guy played a scorpion demon god thing at one point. I want to fuck with that. He's also like eight times my size. <laughs> and eh. only on, only a half a foot taller than me at most. Eh. Probably on par on height with me and still like eight times my size. So, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's of no consequence, really. I thought you meant that part of the earth was pissed at us. Yes. And that, that made me nervous. No, I was like, I'm... why that part of the earth, earth specifically? What did we do to the rock? <laughs> but no, I mean, because you have to think, people have this very, when they do decide to worship nature or revere it in some way, they have this very holistic look, right? But if you're really thinking about it, each of these things, while connected, are still fighting in a life cycle. Roots systemically dig into the soil and take out nutrients. That's another form of predation on stone and soil. So I'm pretty sure that we're cohorts in the whole screwing up the dirt ball that we stand on with the plants. In fact, we we dig them deeper in. And that that's just mean to the rock. It reminds me of this old commercial for Nikes uh, that Jason Muse was in. You know, Jay of the Jay and Silent Bob equation. Yeah. This is when he was really young, like... Probably pre-dogma. Like, this was, like, still in the 90s. And he was, like, yelling at... There were joggers out there, out on the street jogging. And he was, like, yelling at him. He's, like, be nicer to the ground. And he, he was saying, like, get these Nike shoes. They're so comfortable for you. And they're just as comfortable for the ground. So we won't be hurting our friend, the ground. Ah. He's, like, he's our friend. He's, if, what would we do if there was no ground? <laughs> like <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Like, we got to be nicer to the ground. Really weird. The 90s were a weird time. The 90s were an amazing time. Yes. Don't let them fool you. So, yeah. What were we talking about? Breloom. Oh, yeah. And it fights. And how it fights. Um, like Shroomish, it, it still uses the spores and everything to incapacitate and distract and, you know. Now they've apparently turned into two very fashionable beads on their heads. The apertures the... for the spores to come out of. Oh, that's what they come out of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize that. You'd think that it would be, you know, all the gill slits underneath its cap. I, w- I think they've got to come out of the tail to some extent, too. Why does their tail have three big balls of hardened spores? See, I figured that what they did is they kind of jammed the spores into the ground and just ripped off the end of their tail all brutal. This is Sparta style. <laughs> Jesus. Don't shoot the messenger, man. They're plant types. Plant types are all about the whole self-sacrifice thing. I don't understand how this... But never mind. Uh, yeah, same abilities as Shroomish, but it has a different hidden ability. Technician, which is weird. Not something you would associate, I think, immediately with Brilooms. I might, actually. Uh, little, known, little known trivia about the Tokyo Railway. They used mushrooms to plan out the most efficient path and course. For the the Tokyo Railway to be dug through. What? Yes. Um, Because of the fact that they use mycelium, mushrooms are only the fruiting body. The actual living organism is called a mycelium, and they're a cell wall map that shares nutrients between trees, nutrients between other plants, and nutrients between themselves in a symbiotic nature. Mushrooms are actually what keep the soil humus and full of vitality. And mycelium actually helped to spread all nutrients between different uh, different plant cultures throughout a forest ecosystem or a large vegetative ecosystem. So because of that, they the life form has learned to adapt the most efficient pathing routes. So what they did is they basically inoculated the soil throughout Tokyo and watched how it decided to map through, and then they just dug out the softened soil. So huh. that's insane. Yeah. Again, wow. Blew my mind. Every time you, you come over, it's like you bring m- these mushrooms and they blow my mind. <laughs> Not really, folks. Maybe. Every once in a while. No. No, it's interesting, though. You blow my mind with mushrooms every time you come over and there's no drug use involved. <laughs> well, the, po- the ability technician increases the power of moves, which have a power of 60 or less, by 150%. Whoa. 
gets you another 50% power. On something stupid, like struggle. Wait, what? I want that on something stupid. Oh, you stupid. want struggle to be 1.5 times stronger? Yes. Aspirations, my friend. At least you've got goals that are manageable. It's true. You don't got your head in the clouds, I tell you what. No. <laughs> I usually have my, my head in the ether. You know, ghost trainer all. <laughs> oh, I was like, ether. ether? First you're doing mushrooms, now you're huffing ether. <laughs> no, not that. Maybe. But ghost types, you know. Yeah, we're going to have to have you back to do a ghost type episode. That I'm looking forward to. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a big undertaking. But seriously, we can do we can do more too. So you have, do you have a Breloom on your team? Or have you ever? I have had Breloom's on my team um, since Ruby and Sapphire. Okay. But uh, in X and Y, I opted out for having a Breloom. This time I switched it out for a Go-Goat. Okay, because, yeah, you can't overload your team with grass types as much as you love them. (laughs) Jeremy's like, yes, I can. I do it all the time. Actually, that's exactly true. I I am a purist team trainer. So when I train a ghost team, they're all ghosts. When I train a grass team, they're all grass. So why did you switch Breloom out for Go-Goat? Because it was the new one, and I wanted to try to test it out. And it is... Somebody had to go. (laughs) Yeah, and it is amazing. See... The one thing that I had that was a problem with Breloom is its limited HM ability move pool. So I needed someone who could still use HMs and could still be a powerhouse enough to get me through the main story quests. And GoGoat could do that. It learns rock climb, or I'm sorry, it learns strength and uh, rock smash and earthquake and all these fun little, little moves. But... Enough of my go-goat love. We're, we're on the subject of Breloom. But you did have Breloom on... The, so the team that you're using... Are you using it now? Yes. The one with go-goat? I'm, I'm, yes, the one with go-goat. I'm always switching out new grass types to see what will work in harmony. Okay. Because even if I love a particular grass type... <laughs> That's so ridiculous, though. What if somebody, like... Are you prepared to fight, like, one of your friends who just burns you with a... Yes. Powerful fire Pokemon? or Yes, actually. I, The whole trick to my team is that I want you to use what is my type weakness. I use interlayered mixes of Pokemon. I expect you to kill a few of them. And when you kill them, especially when you one-shot them, my next one has the ability to come in with a primary move usage. It's not as if they're slowed down like if I used a potion. So I'll often confuse status effect you, put on different things. Um, one of my favorite things now to do is to have Breloom or somebody else with, uh, with Spore and um, bring out somebody like my Mega Evolved Venusaur, who then has Venoshock on it, which is a 60 base power move, which doubles in power if you're already poisoned. Okay. So I love doing that kind of sneaky jackass shit. You fell right into my trap and exactly. revealed your strategy here live. Well, it's not live. It, has, it still has to be edited and posted. Sort of live. Probably like a month after it comes out. That's how self-radio tends to happen. Not really live at all. <laughs> We're getting less and less towards the live category as time goes on. <laughs> My boss showed me, real quick aside, uh, somebody, oh, what was it? What's it called? It's it's like or like louding or something. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, what was it called? It wasn't, it was something like that. But the whole idea is that you go out in public and smoke weed and you record it and put it online. This is, this is the new like, yeah, oh, it's the, the loud challenge. That's what it was. The loud challenge. And you do the loud challenge is to go out and smoke a Dutch in public where you take a cigar and roll weed into it. And then you just walk around somewhere in public and record yourself smoking it. And my boss is like, what the fuck? People are stupid. It was in the mall that we work. This guy's walking around the halls. He's just like, y'all ain't real. I'm real. I'm real. I'm smoking a Dutch in this mall right now. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am not real. Because you are smoking marijuana in the Cle- mall. 
Yes, clearly you are a figment of his adult imagination. <laughs> clearly that reflects on my on me. Yeah, it, it truly. You have to realize that we are all really an illusion in this guy's head. He ain't real. He was really just tripping. He's like, none of you are real. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm so high. <laughs> you thought I was talking shit? No, I'm not talking shit. Yeah, I ain't I'm even asking real. for help. I'm reaching out, man. <laughs> I need my counselor. Hashtag loud challenge. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Oh, Breloom. <laughs> That's right. So, how long you had a Breloom, though? Yep. What was his name? His or her? He or she? When As I, mushrooms generally are. When I... Actually, that is quite true. Uh, plants, 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 plants are hermaphroditic, and uh, mushrooms actually can come in male and female genus. Well, yeah, but plants are hermaphroditic, but they do have female and male versions of plants. Yes. I thought mushrooms were a- completely asexual. Uh, that is sort of true it's a little more complicated than that but they I guess you're right because asexuals are always splitting themselves to reproduce correct right. or am i wrong um asexuals are a uniform uh, usual splitting so we, yeah. we talked about this on fairpoint we did an episode about zilla which is the american matthew broderick 1998 godzilla movie you've seen it right right with the big lizard the way it reproduces they say it reproduces asexually but that's a misnomer because it doesn't it still lays eggs that it self-fertilizes and if you are self-fertilizing your eggs that's not asexual reproduction that's still parthenogenic right parthenogenic reproduction but asexual reproduction is Is when you you split off right a part of your body correct and then that body grows is that what creating spores is uh, no. Because I was going to say, plants still create seeds. That still, you're right, seems a little bit like a sexual, to create a seed or an egg or a spore. Right. Whereas with um, mushrooms... I lied. Usually I'm like, look, when I say this is an adult podcast, I don't mean we talk about sex. I was lying. This episode, apparently we do. We talk about some freaky mushroom sex. Absolutely. So the spores inoculate into areas... But they are also then fertilized by other methods. Um, basically, there is a kind of bisexual interaction with spores. Bisexual? Um, is that bi- like so? There's asexual, bisexual, bisexual, and, meaning sexual. <laughs> uh, sort of. It's it's a dual gendered process. Okay. Um, mushrooms are much more related to animals than plants. Actually, they even are. Some of them are even capable of hunting down prey. Um, they're mm-hmm. aware of their surroundings, that kind of stuff. It's very, very cool stuff. Um, there's a there's a kind of slime mold, which is a fungus called the orange slime mold, which grows on the ceilings of caves, and it doesn't have a central nervous system, doesn't have eyes or ears or a nose, but it knows when to drop a piece of its goo to catch flies in midair and bring them up for nutrient absorption. It's a, it's it's amazing the types of things that we like sense. There's so many I mean right off the bat humans have more than 5 senses. Yeah. We just don't a lot of them aren't things a lot of us think about or recognize. I mean the sense of you to know where you are in a room is a sense. The sense to know how to like where your head is and where your butt is if you want to touch one and not the other. You know what I mean? Like is the sense, sense. that's common. Like, yeah, there's there's so many like senses that we don't even think about. Yeah, there 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 are others. I mean they're they're doing research now that suggests that we may have a sense of things that have not happened yet. And in quantum physics there's actually they did um they did heavy research on that and they say that there is no physical reason why we shouldn't be able to remember forwards in the way that we remember backwards. Because of the way particles behave? Right. Because that's different, though. Particles behave so much differently than complex uh, biological organisms. But then again, do they? We are do made they? up. We are made up of complex Yeah, and everything chains. is, I mean, atoms behave so much differently than solar systems do, but there's still this kind of microcosm, macro, macrocosm thing, just like a... A human being behaves so much differently than the planet it lives on, but there's still a very 
clear microcosm macrocosm thing with the organism and you know um, absolutely interconnected wow, chains of matter crazy deep but but yeah um yeah welcome to what happens when you talk about mushroom now. pokemon they're doing studies that right now that uh aren't just suggesting the way particles behave with regards to future events, but that actual individuals, um, and, and it's still shaky. These are just studies. I'm not trying to say we've proven it. You know what I mean? They're, we've proven it. I'm, we're not one of those news sources. That's quick to just jump to that. Cause that's what you want to hear. That's what people want to hear. It's exciting. You want to hear this. We're jumping to it. <laughs> but like that, the, the studies, the way it's being presented does kind of suggest that people may be on a subconscious level that they don't realize aware that their brains may be aware of stimulus that has not happened yet milliseconds before it happens. Right. And, um, some of that I can attribute to like quantum field interactions with atoms, but I also tend to think that the human brain is constantly actively aware of its surroundings even in ways that we are not for mind yes. conscious. Therefore, it's more like hypercalculation, kind of like uh, how we have now sensory distributors or, on certain bits of technology that brace it for when it falls. It could be. It could also be some type of sense that isn't paranormal or mystical, but it's just not no, sufficiently quite, explained. Quite literally, a calculative they, sense. But not even that, but like maybe of something like maybe time doesn't work quite exactly like look the future hasn't happened yet and the past has you know like they they actually compare it to if you take a stick and you stake it in in a river and the river's streaming and you look at the ripples you will see how there are ripples spreading out after the stick yes that the water comes at it and after the stick ripples spread out away from it yes but if you trace those ripples and you look the ripples start before the stick Yes. And of course, we can explain that with very simple physics. Obviously, the water is hitting the stick and getting piled up from hitting the stick, piled up. I clearly know the terms to, to speak of this stuff, but you get what I'm saying. Yes. There's a little bit of resistance, which causes again, water to slow down, which causes there to be a little bit of a surge, which makes it react earlier than the stick itself. I'm not even a scientist, and I figured that out. But if you're applying that logic to something else, like, well, a, a simple person who, you know, maybe a... a uh, yeah, animal, it's called the time an animal might principle. not. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, we might not be able to figure that out, and we can. There might be something to like time and, like that. And again, quite literally, what I mean is that they're not saying that we should be able to see the future. It's that it's very much biological. We should be yes, able to exactly. No, exactly. that we sh- they were actually already doing studies on this. This that is we what should I'm, yeah, the, we be might able be to remember forward. So how our memory about remembering backwards is spotty, hazy, and imperfect because it deals directly with our own line of actions, it would be a very similar principle. It doesn't involve the entire universe. It involves ourselves and our personal actions through causality. This wasn't the same study, but at the same, what you're saying as far as uh, biologically being able to remember forwards like you remember backwards was what this study was purporting but only in terms of milliseconds right so you're not going to consciously notice remembering an action milliseconds before it happens because on me and you we don't exist on a millisecond basis so we don't really notice a lot of things that happen on a millisecond basis no matter what you say (laughs) so man breloom apparently we're talking about a fucking psychic pokemon here or (laughs) Or we're just all over the map, but that's that's what you get. That's what you get at Sylph Radio, my friends. If this is your first episode, welcome. I hope you enjoy it, because if not, you might as well just give up. <laughs> this is the best we've got to offer, and I'm fucking loving it. So you're Breloom. You had a Breloom. Yep. <laughs> See how long we can stay on topic for. Set a new record. <laughs> so about physics. No. What was, uh, it was a boy or a girl? That's that's where we were. And then we started talking about <laughs> mushroom sex. Then we started talking about physics. My Breloom was usually a boy. Okay. However, again, interchanging <laughs> Look, games. Yeah, I kept... genders, gender identity is fluid, man. Sometimes your Breloom wants to go out on Thursday nights and he wants to be a girl. Let him. That's your Breloom, man. That's all your <laughs> Breloom's business. I don't, I don't got no problems with that. Oh, no. Quite literally... Normally, if they were a male for a while in the early times when I was capturing them, I just called them tops. 
because I love their little heads with their little built-in mushroom samurai caps on their heads. So you call them all tops? I would call all the males tops, and the females I would... So, so heartless and cold. Yep. And I would call the females... Um, let's see. I had three names for them, actually. So I called one Ama. I called one Anita. Okay. And I called one Taya. So. I had a... I had a Pokemon named Amanita. I don't remember who it was. What Pokemon was it? It was I think obviously it was a, a mushroom. I think it I remember been, yours. It may have been my female Breloom back in the day. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Because I was there for that one. Eventually, I wanted a. I wanted to train a Breloom to know, uh, to have poison, poison, poison heal, heal. Yeah. as the not to train it, but to breed a Breloom that knew poison heal and. Um, yeah, I, I think wanted you wanted to do that cheap ass tactic to where yeah, it had give toxic it the poison orb, orb. You, toxic orb. You give it a toxic orb, and that makes it automatically poisoned. That's what toxic orb does. Makes its holder automatically poisoned. You're like, why would I want this? Yeah. Throw away. Ew. Why was I just holding that? Uh. Pokemon Center. Do you treat people? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have an STD <laughs> and possibly no. a communicative. Well, what about toxic? poison? You treat poison? Okay. I figured. Hey, it was worth trying. <laughs> Um, but yeah, because it automatically poisons a Pokemon with poison heal and they go up in HP. So I had to breed so many Pokemon. I also wanted a specific, uh, nature, nature. I bred so many shroomish. So it's kind of like how you had a million male ones named tops. Yeah. I I assume throughout, throughout the times of me, for me, I just have. Boxes full of Micah was the original one. I named Micah. His child was Micah Jr. And there was Micah the third, <laughs> Micah the fourth, Micah the fifth. Like eventually when I finally got it, it was like Micah XVII or something. <laughs> and he's I running like Final that, Fantasy series at this point. <laughs> I, I kind of like that, though. It makes his name cool. Because yeah. people are like Micah 17. Why is his name Micah 17? And it's like, well, he's the 17th in his lineage. And there's a legit story like yeah. to that. No, that's and very cool. It, it's, it seems it's not cold, though, like because I couldn't just throw away all, all those shroomish or, or just name them butthole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, first, you have to name it something before you see what its nature and ability are. Right. So I would name it Micah and then the number. So event, I knew eventually... I would get one. I think that's kind of cool. Like, I don't know. It has its own story. Oh, that's very and, cool. Yeah. That's why I love Pokemon, man. There's there's legit connection to, like, these bits of data that represent Pokemon. There's a Snorlax that I've been raising since 2004 or something. Whenever Fire Red came out. Was that 2004 or 2005? I think that was 2004. Yeah, something like that. Whenever that game came out, like, and I got it. Like, I've been raising that fucking Snorlax. I still have him. Like that's that Snorlax, by the way, kicked my ass. If that file got erased and I lost that Snorlax, I would, I would, I'm not like going to cry. Like I know the difference between reality and fantasy, but there is a level that I have a personal attachment to a random string of data that I would be like, wow, not random. It's not random, but you know what I mean? If I were in his shoes, I'd cry like a tiny child. You get what I mean, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like, wow. Because I put all that. Here's the thing. For me, I built it up as a character in my head. It's part of a living story. and Exactly. Yeah, and then all of a sudden I also invested all this real time and, and effort into this shit. Yeah, actually training it, suddenly, teaching it moves I wanted it to know, yeah. using, engaging it in battle to get stronger over and over and over again. And again, we're massively complicated, overly complex nerds, so we also built up these massive stories behind them. And there are memories. There are memories of like, remember that night... That so-and-so was throwing a field party out in the fucking woods behind his apartment complex. I do remember And we went out there, and he's having a fire, and I'm training this Pokemon and having beers with my friends. And it's almost like, well, that Pokemon's a part of that memory. He was there. Yeah, Like, this sounds sappy and sentimental and silly, but legitimately. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he disappears, and it's like, "Mm, no, my not alive friend. It's different than a lot of video games, because your Final Fantasy file you played... In seventh grade, you might have a good memory, but that memory card's long gone, and it's whatever. You'll play the game again if you want to. 
You know what I mean, whether or not you have the memory cards. I'm I'm obsessed but, with my Final Fantasy. Sure, was like game. I have a file cabinet full of memory cards. <laughs> I I really do actually. I, I don't was, even I don't even own the systems, but I still have memory cards for all of them. I that's actually true. I have lost most of my PlayStation systems. I still have my PlayStation Two, but I still have all my memory cards, all of them. But yeah, that's that's why Pokemon. You get what I'm saying? Is so yeah. different because. It's it's not disposable entertainment like a lot of video games are. And I don't even mean that in a negative way. Disposable entertainment's cool. Like, there's a lot of video games that are super fun, that are disposable. You spend the amount of time you spend on them. And there's a lot of RPGs in particular. The developers expect you to spend a lot of time on this game. And maybe for a hardcore gamer that, that spends a lot of his or her time gaming, that's it may not be that much time, but like... To a lot of people, an RPG requires a lot of dedication yeah. and time. And I don't see it really worth it for me, for a lot of RPGs that I would like to play. Even Chrono Trigger. I love it. And I've tried replaying it, but I know the story, and it's just not worth it for me to put that much time and effort into grinding and Robo's training my these homie. characters. Pokemon, though, that's different. Like, I still don't have that much time to devote to gaming, but like... With Pokemon, I know that this creature I'm training and forming a fucking relationship with will still be there 10 years from now. I'll be able to transfer it to the new Pokemon game. Hopefully. If they don't... Oh, no. There's no hopefully. I have faith, sir. It was... So it was written, so it shall be. See, I had Pokemon from older games, like regular gold and regular silver, that I never managed to figure out a way to transfer into other ones. That's true, but at this point in... The development of the franchise, they know. There's Pokemon Bank. There's they know that it's. Oh important. yeah, I I just recently got Pokemon Bank. I'm I am thrilled don't. with that. But they know that it's important that you be able to do this, and there's not really anything they can do about the old Game Boy games, short of inventing expensive technology. Like that's what they would have to do. They would have to invent a new add-on hardware that would cost you a lot of money. And it would cost them money because it would cost them money to produce Your game it. freak. Freak out and make that technology. At this point, it's not worth it. They're not gonna it's make worth it. they're not gonna make the money back and people aren't gonna wanna spend the amount that they would have to charge for it. Legitimately, dude. So man, wow. I guess that's that's Breloom, pretty much. Oh yeah. Breloom, awesome little midget mushroom of power and Goat feet. Yeah, we talked about Breloom for like 40% of this fucking podcast. <laughs> and it was all about Breloom. Or at least it was intended to. But no, this this was fucking awesome. Um, thank you so much for coming back. Like, I, I hope we can do another one real soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, if you guys want constant updates about what's going on with Sylph Radio, follow us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash... Sylph Radio Podcast. You can also check me out weekly on Fairpoint Podcast. Me and Craig Lewis do that podcast literally every fucking week. And we cover all sorts of shit. Like, if you like this, you'll be into it. Uh, Jeremy, what are you doing nowadays? Nowadays? College. Drawing. Still have my DeviantArt account. DeviantArt? What is it? Uh, Geisvix, so that's G-Y-Z-V-X. That's my name on DeviantArt. G-Y-Z-V-X. If you want to check out some of Jeremy's art, we didn't talk about it a whole lot this episode, but go back and check out the Lavender Town episode. We talked about it a little bit. And yeah, you can go there. You can follow him there. Check out his art. Special thanks to uh, Bulbapedia, Cerebi.net, Smogon University. Uh, I use all three of these sources in almost every episode that I create. If you're looking for more information on Pokemon and the Pokemon universe, those are three places to look. Like we make it fun, we make it filthy. <laughs> but uh super filthy. <laughs> but really if if you want to actually legitimately read the information for yourself without this belligerent this... middleman. <laughs> yeah. Pile of awesome. Go check them out. Um, We'll be back real soon. We've got a ton of self-radio episodes lined up. All sorts of new guests. All sorts of returning guests. Um, It's going to be awesome. And hopefully 
another episode with Jeremy is on that list of episodes we've got lined up for you. See. Um, I guess I guess that's it for this week. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Check out Fairpoint. Did I even mention the name of it a minute ago? I was like, I do this other podcast weekly. What's it called? Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Figure it out. Well, thank you for watching. Fairpoint was a good indicator of what the other one yeah, was. Yeah, Fairpoint. Fairpoint podcast. Check that out. Silf Radio. Check it out on Facebook. Uh, any topic requests or suggestions, shoot them to us on Facebook. You can shoot us email, silfradiopodcast at live.com. Um, get a hold of us. And yeah, I guess you'll be hearing from us both again soon. Talk to you next time. Peace.